You're listening to the Crossroads Grace Podcast, a podcast of Crossroads Grace Community Church. To learn more about our gathering times and ways you can get involved, check out our website at crossroadsgrace.org. How beautiful is this church building? There's something so awe-inspiring about a building that was not just built to worship God in, but one that was intentionally and uniquely created with elements to worship God in its very design. Hey everyone, my name is Preston and I just wanna say Merry Christmas to you, your family and your loved ones. Thank you for letting us into your home this Christmas morning to share this precious time with us here at Crossroads so that we can celebrate the true joy of Christmas together. And a special thank you to St. Paul's United Methodist Church here in Manteca for allowing us to use this beautiful church for our service today. Did you know that in Roman architecture, the Romans built their churches with massive vaulted ceilings, ones that stretched to the sky to be closer in unison with God, to strengthen the connection between man on earth and God in heaven. So now we see this stunning church architecture with outstretched vaulted ceilings just like this one. These stained glass windows that fill this entire room, those can be traced back to the medieval and Gothic cathedrals of the 10th and 11th century, painting pictures of God and man and salvation through their stories and their colors. And the strong, dark wood of the pews that haven't needed a touch-up or repair in probably 100 years, you can thank the Protestant Reformation movement in Europe around the year 1500 for that, because they're the ones who started that trend right here. In this church building that I'm standing in, there are stylistic and architectural roots that can be traced back hundreds and hundreds of years. But when I was in college, I was sent to a church to fill in and preach for a weekend. And when I got there, I was greeted by these beautiful sky-stretched vaulted ceilings, pristine stained glass, and dark wooden pews that you could see the grains of the very trees they were carved from. And you all know what I thought when I went in there? Old. I know it seems so silly and naive, and honestly it was, but my first thoughts when I went into that beautiful historic church in Higby, Missouri was old. The vaulted ceilings with roots from Roman architecture, they were going to be horrible for my preaching voice. The stained glass windows calling back to medieval Gothic cathedrals, well, those were going to be so distracting when the sun hit them and filled the room with color that no one was going to be able to focus in church that day. And those pews that hail from the Protestant Reformation age, yeah, look no further than the sole culprit of the American church's back problems. All of this storied and historic architecture and beauty, and all I could see was bleh, old. And to be fair, I'm positive that at least like three times a weekend, I say something or I do something in the preteens room where all of them look at me and they just say, old. So what goes around comes around, I guess. But if I didn't think that the church was old enough as it was, Right when I got there, they asked me what hymns I would be leading for service. Yeah, that's right, me leading the hymns. I kid you not, I 100% believed that hymns were extinct. I'd only ever seen them like in throwback Christmas movies, never once before in real life. But they were very much not kidding, and they handed me a hymnal to choose our three hymns for the service. And when I got this hymnal, the only book I knew in the entire book was hymn 117. You know what it is? Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. 
Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. It's the only one I knew, but they wouldn't let me pick it because it was a Christmas hymn and, you know, it was May. But did you know that it actually wasn't written based on the Christmas story in the Gospels? True story. The writer of the song Joy to the World, Isaac Watts, actually was inspired to write the song based on Psalm 98, which is definitely not the story of Jesus being born in a little manger in Bethlehem. Rather, it's this incredible song that highlights the songs and the praises of the earth and its glorious king, the Lord our God. And as I read it, I want you to try something for me real quick. Right now, I want you to close your eyes. Yeah, yeah, for for real, go ahead, close them. I'm trusting you, you and me, trusting you. I want you to close your eyes, and as I read this psalm, I want to see if you can pick out the similarities between the song that we just heard, Joy to the World, and Psalm 98. I'm going to read it now. You, You got them closed? Okay, cool. Psalm 98 reads this. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing. With trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn, shout for joy before the Lord, the King. Let the sea resound and everything in it the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the people with equity. Okay, you can open your eyes now. And first of all, kids in the room, I'm very proud of you for taking that opportunity to not go and get cookies while your parents' eyes were closed. I know they're in the kitchen. I know they're in the pantry. Thank you for not going and getting them. But if you did, I need you to bring me a cookie next weekend because I set you up for that opportunity perfectly. You're welcome. You owe me a cookie next weekend. Hey, but in all seriousness, for those of you who didn't go sneak a cookie, did you catch some of the links between Psalm 98 and the classic Christmas song, Joy to the World? Verse 4 of Psalm 98 says, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Which links up pretty well with the second chorus of the Christmas song. Repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy. How about in the song when we sing and heaven and nature sing? It seems pretty linked up with verses 7 and 8 of Psalm 98 that we just heard, right? Where the psalm writer wrote to let the sea resound, let the rivers clap their hands and the mountains sing together for joy. You see, that seems like heaven and nature singing a pretty awesome song to me. We see Psalm 98 woven into the fabric and the lyrics of one of the favorite Christmas carols of all time, And yet, Psalm 98 didn't have much to do with Christmas, did it? So what gives? Why is it such a Christmas classic? And to be fair, I think it's a pretty good Christmas song. But the more I think about it, I think that it's actually a pretty good Valentine's Day song. Yeah, I really do. Oh, and we can't forget that it works great as a Boxing Day song for all of our European friends out there. And how how can I forget? It is a perfect song for National Ice Cream Sunday Day 2. In fact, I think it's a song that fits perfectly as a Monday song, a Tuesday song, a Wednesday, a Thursday, a Friday, a Saturday, a Sunday. I think that Joy to the World is a song that is a song for every day. I don't think that Psalm 98 is exclusive to the joy that comes with just Christmas. Do you? In verses 4 through 6, the psalmist tells us to shout for joy to the Lord and burst into jubilant song with harps and singing and trumpets and horns. And that doesn't seem exclusive to singing about Christmas. 
No, joy to the world is so much bigger than December 25th. It's joy to the world yesterday and today and forever. But it's one thing that recognize that joy on Christmas, when the lights are all up outside, the Christmas tree is decorated, the coffee from the morning is still hot while you're watching loved ones open their presents. But it's harder to see that joy tomorrow, isn't it? When the decorations come down, when you have to go back to work, when Christmas break is over, when the season is gone and real life sets back in, where is the joy that comes from Christmas? In a world where we see brokenness and pain and hurting and injustice, where did that joy go? Why can't we see it as clearly the rest of the year as we can on December 25th? I don't think that joy is gone. I think we're just missing perspective. See, when I walked into that old church in Higby, Missouri, I had no idea that I was missing perspective. Those vaulted ceilings that were going to mess with my acoustics, I didn't know the laughter and the joy that would fill those ceilings all the way to the top over the next three years of my life. I had no way of knowing that those stained glass windows had so much history behind them, being made locally by original members of the congregation that built it themselves. And those pews that I thought would be the most uncomfortable seats ever, those would go on to become the most comforting seats that I ever spent time in. At first glance, I saw one thing when I looked at that church. But once I got the perspective, once I saw that church through a different lens, my entire viewpoint, my entire perspective changed. You see, every Christmas we remember and we celebrate the truth that the very same God who created us sent down his one and only son to walk this earth as a man. And that same son who was fully man and fully God would go on to die on the cross as payment for the penalty of our sins, washing away our debt and bridging the gap between a perfect God and a sinful creation. And every Christmas, we sing Christmas songs like Joy to the World, where we celebrate the joy that comes from the birth of Jesus and the worship of our King. And every Christmas, our hearts and our homes are filled to the absolute brim of joy that can only come from celebrating the birth of Jesus and exalting that he is the Savior and the King of the world. And my question to you is, are you going to keep that joy tomorrow? What's your perspective on the true source of joy? Because my hope is that today we're all joyfully celebrating the free gift that is Jesus. And my other hope is that you're celebrating just as joyfully tomorrow. And that you're just as joyful next July. And that you're just as joyful when things are going great. And that you're just as joyful when things are getting tough. Because the joy that we have in Jesus is not one that's dictated by the amount of ornaments on your tree. It's not one that is defined on how well life is going at the moment. No, no, no. The joy that we find in Jesus is one that is defined only in the free gift of salvation that comes from him. Just like I needed my perspective shifted on that old church building in a small town in Missouri, I think we need a perspective change on the true source of joy. Because that joy that we sing about at Christmas time with songs like Joy to the World, we need a perspective on joy that reminds us that that joy is the same on Christmas as it is every other day of the year, because that joy comes from Jesus. And on Christmas morning, we can all sing joy to the world because it's true. The Lord has come. And on March 13th, you can still sing joy to the world because it's still true. The Lord has come. That joy, that joy is the joy in Jesus Christ, the living God. That joy comes from John 3, 16 and 17, where it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. 
Every week we come together as believers to celebrate and thank God for this joy. We also recognize the sacrifice that took place in Abel for it to happen. That joy we have from Jesus, it's a joy that we are free from sin and that we can be connected with the creator of the universe who loves you and calls you by name. But in order for that to happen, Jesus had to make the ultimate sacrifice for it. And although he didn't deserve it, Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins. And every week we come together as believers to remember this sacrifice through what is called communion. In fact, Jesus is actually the one who modeled communion for us through his last supper with his disciples before his crucifixion. We read about it in Matthew chapter 26, verse 26. It says this, while they were eating, Jesus took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat, this is my body. So every week we do just that. We all partake in eating this bread or this cracker or whatever it is you might be using at home and we remember the body of Jesus that was broken for us. Would you do that with me now? With whatever you have at home where we break the bread and remember the body that was broken for Jesus. So after that, verse 27 and 28 says this. Then Jesus took a cup. When he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, for the forgiveness of sins. And every week we take the juice and we drink from it. This represents the blood that was poured out for us, for the forgiveness of our sins. Would you do that with me now? You see, a lot of the time, communion is a very quiet, very reflective, sometimes somber part of our weekend. And for good reason. It's a big deal. It's the big deal. Communion and the reflection on the ultimate sacrifice of the living God is something that deserves our absolute respect and thankfulness for. But I don't want you to linger in the somber for too long. Because guess what? That joy, the joy of the world, the true joy that comes from only Jesus, that is what is waiting for us on the other side of communion. We partake in communion because of the joy that has been gifted to us by a God who loves us and we get to accept that gift of that joy because of the events that communion represents. Do you see it? They're linked together hand in hand. You cannot have one without the other. Joy to the world because Jesus Christ, the Lord has come. The King is here with us today, right now. That joy, that joy that's written so elegantly in Psalm 98, that joy that is laid so clearly for us in John 3, 16 and 17, that joy, the joy we sing about every Christmas time through Isaac Watch, joy to the world, that joy is because we have a Savior who loves us so much that he would free us and invite us to have an eternal relationship with him. That's not just a joy at Christmas time, that's a joy all of the time. The joy in our world is because Jesus reigns. When it seems like we're living in a world that is missing so much joy, and if you're having a hard time finding it, remember that true joy comes from Jesus. And yeah, we may sing about it at Christmas time, but from here on out, you hereby have my distinct permission to play and sing joy to the world every single day of the year, not just at Christmas time. Because in a world that seems lacking of joy, true joy comes from Jesus. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let the earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. Merry Christmas, everyone. Thank you for joining us this week on the Crossroads Grace podcast. 
If you enjoyed this message, please rate us and subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening from. If you are interested in getting involved in our community or want to find out more information, visit us online at crossroadsgrace.org. Thank you for listening to the Crossroads Grace podcast.